Welcome to Charleston Church Down East Weekly Podcast. For more information about us, visit charlestonchurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message. If you have your Bible or your app on your phone, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. Whenever you're finished giving, go ahead and turn to... By the way, I should have mentioned this before. I'll give you a little heads up for next week. When you're writing your checks, thousand, anyone need to know how to spell thousand, million, anyone need to spell that? M-I-L-L, you all good? Okay. I probably should have helped you with that before you, you did the offering, but it's <clears throat> funnier in my head. Anyway, um, Acts chapter one. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about becoming a powerhouse. Becoming a powerhouse. I want you and your family as an individual to become a powerhouse. Some of you are already powerhouses in your own right. Some of you, as I look across here, in your business or or in your occupation, you're a powerhouse. You're a force to be reckoned with. But I want you to become a powerhouse in your spiritual life as well. God has given us everything we need to be a spiritual powerhouse in our own lives. And as we get that right, this house will become a spiritual powerhouse. And I believe that that's God's will. I know that's God's will for this house, is that this is a place where people come to get their miracle. This is a place where people come to get hope and direction. This is a place that people come because they know they'll learn how to win here. Because you can win and win and keep on winning with God. So this is a very familiar portion of scripture, but I'm going to read through it, these four verses. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to start, uh, let's start at verse 4. Y'all ready? Let me pray, that'll help you and I both. God, thank you for the word. I pray that the word would come alive to us this morning. I pray that it would go deep in our hearts, it would change, give us revelation, God. May it not just be something we hear, but may it go deep into our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 1-4. Once he was eating with them, he could... Let me try that again if I get my tongue wrapped around it. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied to them, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they're not for you to know. Stop right there. This has nothing to do with what I was going to preach, but if anyone tells you, any leader, any let's just call it what it is, cult leader that rises up and says they know the date of Jesus' return and they put a date on the calendar, just laugh at them. Just right out loud. The Bible says only the Father knows and sets those date and time. Man doesn't know. That'll help you. What was that book, 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988? Something like that? Yeah. How'd that work out? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 8. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. 
But you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, until and to the ends of the earth. And you will, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. First of all, before we get started, that's telling us, number one, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there should be a difference. You receive power. But it says when you've received Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, that power will and should cause you to be a witness. What does a witness do in court? It testifies. It testifies. It tells, they tell their story of what they've saw or experienced. Are you hearing me? Thank you. When we receive Jesus and are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are called then to be a witness. So in, in layman's terms or in our terms, that means when we receive Jesus and have the power of the Holy Ghost come on us, we are commissioned or petitioned or, or it should come with it that we are a witness. We are to tell everything that we've seen and experienced in Jesus. When I'm looking across here, and I'm thinking about many of your stories that you've shared with me. When you receive Jesus, there's a change in your life. It doesn't mean that everything in your life that you didn't really love before you walked in is different when you walk out. But the heart on the inside of you is different when you receive Jesus. There's a shame and a weight that's lifted off you when you receive Jesus. I've told you the story before. I walked to an altar. Some of the people from that church are watching, probably live or later. I walked to an altar in an old camp meeting in a field under an old tabernacle with alcohol on my breath. And gave my life to Jesus at the age of, what was I, 18, 19, I think. In that moment, everything changed. The taste for liquor left me. I had no more desire for it. I had such shame because I, I felt like I was disappointing everyone. And I knew I wasn't living the way. And I felt this condemnation, this shame, not from God. Convictions from God, remember. Conviction says, hey, uh. That still small voice gives you a little nudge, Anna. Hey, uh, that thing you did, that thing you said. You know it's probably not right. Let's change that. Let me, let me help you. You've got another chance. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm showing this to you to help you. There's a way of, there's a way to do it better. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what God does. So when you feel that, that's God. I was talking to someone this week, and I, and I actually I talked to my wife and a, a couple people about this. I heard this saying, 
call it corny if you want, but the view is always better from the high road. That's the Holy Spirit nudging you. Take the high road. Forgive them. Don't, don't, don't say that next time. Maybe don't hang out with those people. Maybe say no next time. That's, that's conviction. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm trying to help you. Let me help you. Condemnation is, you go to bed at night and you think, man, did I ever fail today? I'm such a failure. I'm a terrible parent. I messed up so many times today. I'm, I'm, I'm rotten. I'm nothing but a filthy sinner. I said things I shouldn't have said today. I did some things I know I shouldn't do. I don't deserve your love, God. I'm just a, that's condemnation from the devil. Telling you, you failed and there's no hope for you. You've messed up and God's, God, God's, he doesn't love you anymore. You don't deserve God and his love. That is condemnation from the devil. So depending on what you feel at a given time, you, you, that can be your marker. And you can be in condemnation. And when you speak that name of Jesus we talked about, the Holy Spirit in you can shift you from a place of condemnation and let the Holy Spirit convict you and teach you and guide you. Hey, here's a better way. Yeah, but you might be saying, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I said. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the hurt and the anger in my heart. Maybe I don't. But the Holy Spirit is well aware of it. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm very happy that the Holy Spirit is smarter than me and you put together. Because in my flesh, I want to be angry. In my flesh, I, I want to get even. In my is it just me? Or am I alone here? In, in my flesh, I, I, I want to lash out. I want to be angry at them or even maybe tempted to be angry at God. But the Holy Spirit knows your heart. He knows your hurt. He's more familiar with your hurt than you are. You know why? Because he saw it coming before you knew it was coming. He didn't cause it, but he knew it was coming. And the Bible says that he gives us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit is a teacher and a guide, but it, the Bible also says it's a comforter. So how does that apply to a hurt? God didn't cause your hurt. The Holy Spirit wasn't the one who brought it to you, but he knew it was coming. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. So when that hurt comes, he's already gone ahead of you and given you everyone and everything you need to overcome it. He was smart enough from the inception of time and man to send the Holy Spirit when Jesus left this earth, knowing that when you got into a problem or a broken heart or a hurt or an anger, that you need something. Because we can't do it in our own strength. You can try to be as good a person as you want to be. 
But the emotions are still there. The hurt's still there. But when you get Jesus in your heart, when you say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me with your power. Teach me and guide me. Comfort me in this moment. He knows your pain. He prepared an answer before it came. And if you'll let him, he'll step right into the middle of that heartache, that anger you're feeling. And when it comes at you, when they say that thing to you again, when they treat you that way again, here's what the Holy Spirit will do, if you'll let him. You step back, and he steps up. And you're the apple of his eye. Any parents in here that would do anything to protect their children? I feel bad for some of your kids. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm teasing. I love God and I love you. I love people. You mess with my babies, it's not going to go well. Say Papa Bear. Papa Bear... A papa bear would wet himself a little bit and be afraid compared to what I'll do if you mess with my babies. I'll, I'll mess with papa bear. Why, why, why are we like that with parents? Why would we protect our kids and do things that we probably shouldn't do to protect them? That's the nature of God on the inside of us. He created us that way. No one taught me, hey, when you have kids, do whatever it takes to defend them. No one put that and taught me that. I was born, when my child was born, I looked into Lydia's eye and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> Something, just, switch inside of me. I love that kid with a love that can't be explained. I love Zara with a, a love that can't be put into words. And as your kids grow into adults, some of you have adult children, some of us aren't there yet. But still, we want to defend them as adults. We want to protect them. We want what's best for them. And I don't know about you, but when my child is 25 and she's in a battle, if she'll step back and let dad take care of it, oh, I'll take care of it. But if she won't let me, my hands are tied. If she won't let me in, I can't get in and help. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? If you won't let God in, if you won't let the Holy Spirit do the fighting for you and the comforting for you and the lifting of the burden for you and the guiding around all the hurt and the heartache for you, if you don't let him in, he can't get in and fix it. If you only love God and are faithful on Sunday, He can only be faithful and help you on Sunday. He wants to every day of the week. And we get this weird sovereignty teaching mixed up that God will just do whatever He wants to do and, and, and He can and He's all-powerful and He's almighty and, and He can do whatever He wants and, and whenever He wants and, and that's all true. 
but he's bound to his word, and he never supersedes our free will. Say, I've never heard that before. Does the Bible or does it not say that it's his will that nobody perishes, but all receive eternal life in heaven? Yep, says that. But is everybody who's ever been born going to be in heaven? Nope. Why? They're free will to choose. There goes that argument. Whatever will be, will be. Nope. God wants me well, but if I destroy my body with sugar and drugs and alcohol, it's not his will that I die young and sick. It was my will. I chose. Likewise, God, you are the apple of his eye. He wants to go before you. He wants, the Holy Spirit wants to be there for you to lean on in comfort. He wants to fight your battles. He doesn't want you to have to figure out how you're going to navigate this situation with your kids. He wants you to step back and say, I, I'm not comfortable being vulnerable like this, Lord, maybe, but I trust you. I'm giving you room. Go ahead and move in on this for me. And you will be shocked how quickly that you just, peace just comes to you. You'd be shocked how easy it is to bite your tongue and not say what you normally would say when the Holy Spirit is working in you. Keep both of your hands firmly tied to the steering wheel when someone cuts you off. That's the Holy Spirit helping you. No thumbs up. I don't know about you, but I have the best comebacks like five minutes after someone mouths off at me. Is anybody else? I draw a blank right there. But man, five minutes later, man, could I ever put them in their place. But do you know what happens when you let the Holy Spirit in? You don't say it there. And five minutes later, you've got no desire to say it then. God vindicates you. changes your heart. He gives you a peace that doesn't make sense. He helps you see them from an idiot that you think they are or they may be acting like. Y'all are holier than me today. You're acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You, think, you want to think, what an idiot they are, the way they're acting. But do you know what, do you know what the Holy Spirit does when you let him in? You shall receive a power. The power empowers you to no longer see them as an idiot, but you know what? I don't know what's going on in their family. I don't know if their kid left in the night and strung out and they haven't seen them. I, I don't know if they fought with their spouse. I, I don't know if there was infidelity in their marriage and they found out before they left for work this morning. You know what, I'm just going to go ahead and realize that hurt people usually throw their hurt around to somebody else, and maybe that's the case. Huh? Help them, Lord, whatever they're going through. Now, I didn't think it was possible to... I was the guy who thought everyone was an idiot. That made me mad. Sometimes I still flirt with that line, but 
it's possible, believe it or not, to switch from that's your first response to, you know what, they're a soul too. I've had some days that I felt like hell. And my attitude showed it. Anybody else? The Holy Spirit allows you to give somebody a little bit of grace who maybe doesn't deserve it. Because every day I wake, he gives me grace that I don't deserve. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit, a powerhouse. You're a walking powerhouse. You have the power to bite your tongue when you don't want to. You have the power to bite your tongue when you really don't, sh don't have to or shouldn't. The power to forgive when they don't deserve it. That is being a witness. And you shall be a witness. It is soul winning and, and, and sharing Jesus, you know, on the streets or, or whatever the case. That's part of it. But a witness is an, is an eyewitness account of what they saw and experienced, the real story. And being a person who once think everyone's an idiot to being someone who says, you know what, I'm going to give them grace today because I, God knows I've needed it. That is a witness. You are witness, being a witness to others of the power of God at work and what it can do to change the heart of a man or woman. That's being a witness. And it names geographical locations, but we can apply that to just wherever we go, wherever our world is. We ought not to be acting like we're full of the spirit and grace at work, but treat our family like dirt when we get home. We ought not to give our best to our employer and our worst to our family. Trying to make everyone equally mad this morning. Is it working? I'm preaching to me too. I'm not condemning anyone. I'm preaching to me too. That's becoming a powerhouse. The Bible says that we are bodies. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when people get around the temple, they ought to hear and see what a temple ought to look and sound like. Not perfection. It's not what we're aiming for. It's not who we're trying to be. We're not being fake. But we are trying to be better. Holy, that's a good way to put it. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be better. To not say what you used to say. To not act like we used to act like. To not go where we used to go. To not do what we used to do. To not think the way we used to think. The Bible says... Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Old ways of thinking get you old results. It's the idiot mentality. But if Winston cuts me off in traffic, <laughs> no, that's the wrong answer. 
the mind of God says, you know what? He probably didn't mean, I'm sure he didn't say, oh man, there's somebody. Let me see if I can almost kill them. changes the way you think changes the way we act and it's not immediate sanctification that's a word that we don't talk about in church very much anymore but it's the process of getting better and being better situation by situation I ought to act a little better day by day I ought to act a little better year by year my heart ought to be in a little better position than it was the year before. A powerhouse full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's my introduction. How are we doing? You think I'm joking, but I'm not. That's the sad part. A little bit of nervous laughs, a little bit of humorous laughs. Some people are biting their nails quickly. That clock is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. The Holy Spirit is the engine to the automobile called Christianity. Think of a car without an engine. Not going anywhere. The Holy Spirit is the powerhouse that drives you as a Christian. My Yukon has a gas-guzzling 6.2 V8. Man, does it ever sound good when you start it, but does it ever not feel good when you drive up to the gas pumps? But if I was to take that Yukon be careful what I say. I know people are particular about their cars. I don't know anyone who drives one of what I'm about to say. So if you drive one, I'm not trying to tease you. But if, in all reality, no matter who drives one, if we took the engine out of a Prius and put it in my Yukon, that's the equivalent to religion. It's moving, but underpowered and under delivery. But when you get full of the Holy Spirit, this is for any of you car enthusiasts, some of you are like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about right now. But when you drop that 6.2 V8 back in it, not only does it sound good, not only does it look good, but when you need to pass somebody, when you need to, to go around an obstacle, a pain or a hurt or a heartache or a trouble or a trial, when you push the pedal, it's going. When you push the pedal, you hear and see the power moving forward. It doesn't just look good. It doesn't just sound good, but there's power behind it to make it accomplish what it was made to accomplish, to pass everything but a gas station. 
Man, this example is working out good. I'm just thinking of more scripture. It's going to help me with this. Do you know when the, whole, when the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know what the original text actually means? Be being filled. What does that mean? Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit is what the original text says. Back to the pass everything but a gas station. When I receive Jesus and I'm empowered with the Holy Spirit, I've got the 6.2 that when I shove the pedal, it's going to go. But if I don't be being filled, if I don't stop into church on Sunday, if I don't get on my knees on Monday, if I don't crack open the Bible on Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday, then I'm going to come to a point when I press the pedal, the motor's there, but there's no gas to take it where it's meant to take it. Be being filled. Continually be filled. We can't just have a 1985 experience. We can't have a 2015 filling of the Holy Spirit. We must continually be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Monday when I shove the gas, I'm going through that mountain. If it don't move, I'll move it myself. On Saturday when things are all swirling, I think, man, church is tomorrow, but I'm tired. I got eight things to do. Nine people driving me crazy. No, it doesn't matter because I know I'm looking at the gauge and the tank's getting a little empty and I'm going to need some gas on Monday and Thursday. So I'm going to get back in church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to let it get in my heart and I'm going to live it out. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit get in me. I'm going to pray, pray in my prayer language. I'm going to be realizing that though the tank be empty, tomorrow's a good day to fill it. Today's a good day to fill it. And I'm going to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit so that when I don't just look good, I don't just sound good, I'm not empty of power, but when I need to push the pedal, it goes where it's supposed to go. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Yesterday's power is not enough for tomorrow's problems. Today's fuel up between 10 and 12 is not enough for Thursday's forgiveness that you need to hand out. Can I be real honest with you? Like real honest? Can you handle honesty this morning? There's people no longer sitting in these seats because the only time they put anything in the tank was Sunday morning between 10 and 12. You will run dry. You will roll in next Sunday maybe on fumes. You barely made it, but you're on fumes. It's not enough to fuel up for two hours on Sunday. That passionate love for God, when the Holy Spirit gets in you, you have access to the fuel you need at a moment's notice. The Bible says to stir yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit always. Fill in the tank back up. You say, well, we're here in church, so I'm not trying to beat church attendance into you. I'm trying to convince you to see how much God loves you and to realize that's why people fight the victory message. It's because you can't stay in victory if you never put any in the tank. I could read every word. Some of you feel like I already have. Cover to cover of this this morning. Danny got that joke. Thank you, Danny. I'm almost done. I haven't touched my notes, but I'm almost done. Because I'm just saying what the Holy Spirit wants to say. My notes don't matter. 
I could read every letter cover to cover before you leave here this morning. But if there's no word, no prayer, no stirring up of the Holy Spirit till next Sunday, it still won't be enough. I can lay hands on every one of you and know you with oil and pray for you this morning. But by Wednesday or Thursday, it won't be enough. That's why people leave church. Not this is church, every church. That's why people walk away from God. That's why it's hard to see someone who was a great family person and they were great in their community and they were faithful to church and they loved God and now you're not even sure if they're going to heaven anymore. Why? Christianity, without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, is a brand new Denali sitting in the parking lot with no engine under the hood. And good, good church attendance and, and giving in the offering and tithing and, and, and doing all those checkbox things, that's the equivalent to putting the four-cylinder, the little engine in. It will move. But if it comes up against anything bigger than a twig, it's going to stop it and be stuck. Because there's no power there. Something to put it in motion, but there's no power to overcome the obstacle it bumps up against. The Holy Spirit is the powerhouse under the hood of your Christian life. Let me read you one scripture. as I find it. Oh, I didn't put it in my notes. I thought I did. That's okay. I remember what it says. It's in 2 Timothy. He talks about knowing God, knowing about God, but not knowing God having a form of godliness, looking the part. They drive by, they see your car in the parking lot Sunday morning. But the Bible says, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. See your car in the parking lot, oh, they go to church. But Thursday at the grocery store, you cuss them out. Denying the power. They drive by and see that we go to church, see our car in the parking lot. But when you see them in public, maybe you don't cuss them out, but you won't even look in their direction or speak because they did something to you 10 years ago that you can't get past. A form of godliness, but denying the power. Don't carry that unforgiveness any longer. They're not worth it. Not worth losing your peace. See, I can't because they keep doing it. They keep hurting. They keep reoffending. I feel like I'm letting them off the hook if I forgive them. Do you know what you're doing by forgiving? You're taking them off the hook called what you can do. 
and you're putting them on the hook of Jesus and his vindication. Now he's dealing with them. And I promise you, he will vindicate you better than you could vindicate you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' forgiveness was not on whether we deserved it. Thank God. And he commands, commands us in Scripture. You want to be forgiven? Then you need to forgive. You want God to not be able to remember your past? Then you need to let go of everyone else's, what they did to you. It's not a stamp of approval from you to their actions, but it is a stamp of approval from God to you. When you go ahead and forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, let the Holy Spirit just rule and reign. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm the Holy Spirit and I approve this message. I approve the message of forgiveness when it's not deserved. I, I forg uh, he says, I approve the message of holding your tongue when you don't want to. I, I approve the message of you walking away when you have every right to drop them where they stand. It's a little violent, I know, but. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You've got no power in your life then you need to begin to pray starting today. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your presence. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you have an experience, an encounter with the Holy Spirit that will shake you to your core today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you begin to have your heart just turn from stone to flesh as you drive out of the parking lot today. I pray that when you walk out these doors, that everything that frustrated you and made you want to run from God, the Holy Spirit flips the script and it draws you close to God because of it. Fill this people with your Holy Spirit today, God. Be filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost today and the power that comes with it. If you'll give me seven more minutes, I'll let you go home. And you'll still be done lots early. So what does the Holy Spirit do? We talked about a few things, but it empowers you to persevere through every trial, every temptation. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in forgiving them when they keep reoffending. Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap a harvest, the Bible says, if we don't give up and quit. You say, well, I want my season to be now. I get it. But when a farmer plants his crops in 30 days, man, he'd like it to be now. More provision, more money. He'd like to be able to milk his dairy herd every 20 minutes 
But it'd kill the cows, they'd dry up. Don't grow weary in doing what's good. For in due season, at a moment's notice, a suddenly will take place in your situation. And what seemed immovable will move. What seemed unfixable will be fixed. What seems impossible to repair or restore will be better than it was before. How? I don't know. The Holy Spirit just does it. If you give him permission. If you give him permission. If you don't grow weary in due season, you will see a harvest of what you've planted. You planted forgiveness, you'll see a harvest. You walk away when you're being talked about and tormented and mistreated, you will see a harvest. What you sow, you will reap if you don't give up and quit. And empowers you to persevere and empowers the promise. I'm not going to go take any more time, but the Israelites, if you look, they were promised a promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey, where the fruit was plentiful, where they lacked for nothing. But they grew weary, they grumbled, they mumbled, they complained. They criticized God, they criticized their leaders. And they just wandered around and around in circles for years and years and years. God didn't keep them in the wilderness. Their heart kept them in the wilderness for 40 years. Your wilderness can end today. Doesn't mean you won't see a few trees when you look around. But you'll see a way out. Your wilderness doesn't have to go on for 40 years or 40 months or 40 weeks. It doesn't even have to last another 40 days. Stand with me if you would. Hannah, if you could come back. Finally, the Holy Spirit in you allows you to punish the devil. I said it allows you to punish the devil. I'm going to give the devil a black eye every chance I get. So you're very violent this morning. I'm noticing that. Forgive me. I'm called to be gentle with people. I have to be rough with the devil. Jesus kicked the tail of the devil over 2,000 years ago, and the Holy Spirit empowers you to keep kicking his tail. The Holy Spirit, when Jesus died, rose again, and ascended, the Holy Spirit came. Remember, Jesus said, it's better if I go when the Holy Spirit comes. It empowers you to punish the devil for every time he made you grieve when you didn't want to. 
It empowers you to punish the devil for every time he afflicted your family and you didn't want him to. You see, religion says we're subject to whatever the devil does. We're just on damage control. Put a Band-Aid here, a little patch here, sweep up a little mess here, under the rug here. But relationship with the Lord, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, on your pain, doesn't patch up the hurt, doesn't like make you forget about it for a few days and then it comes back worse than before. Is that what it does? It empowers you to make the devil regret the day he didn't take you out when he had the chance. We are called to put our hurt on the kingdom of darkness as believers. emotions control you. Don't let the hurt be so deep that it's how you see everything in your life through that filter. Mark 16 and 17 says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. there will be an accompaniment of signs for you who believe what I'm about to say. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpent, serpents with their hands. And if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. against you intentionally or anything you encounter by accident that you didn't mean to that would harm you. When Jesus is on the inside of you, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, one of the signs is, whether it be intentional or accidental, what the devil meant to take you out, you'll use to take him out of your life. If he meant sickness to take you out, you will take that sickness out by the power of the Holy Ghost and you'll lay hands on others and you'll see it come out of them in return. You'll give the devil a black eye. You'll punish him. It won't hurt you. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you're sick in body, sick in mind, sick in your heart, sign that can accompany you. You let the Holy Spirit in. You punish the devil. Colossians 2.15, listen to this. It says, in this way he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He disarmed them. They're without a weapon. 
The devil looks like he's got a big gun. But it's just a super soaker. He's painted black. He was disarmed. He's got nothing on you. All power and authority was given to you and I to trample on the heads of every scorpion, every snake, every devil in your life, to trample on it, to take it out. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Listen, I love this for part of the verse. He shamed them publicly. Just me? Okay. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, you are about to put a public shaming on the devil and his work in your life. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, you're about to put a public, open shaming on the devil for what he tried to do in your family. That's for you, Jessica. The devil is on your feet. You staying connected to God, letting the Holy Spirit, praying the Holy Spirit empowers you, will publicly, the Bible says, openly put a shame and a hurt on the devil and what he tried to do to you. The hurt was public. The sickness was public. The shame was public. The gossip was public. So too shall your victory be public. So too shall your triumph be public. So too shall your healing be public. So too shall your provision be public. So too shall the miracles, the signs, and the wonders be public in your life. Victory is yours. I said victory is yours. Yeah, but what about the persecution the Bible promises about? What about it? What about the trials and tribulation and struggles? What about it? You think God's sitting there thinking, oh shoot, I forgot I wrote that in there. No, what does it say? He says, in this world, trouble will come. But be encouraged I kicked the tail of trouble. I gave a black eye to the guy who's in charge of trouble. I took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I publicly shamed every wicked ruler and authority. And so too will you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, shame the work of the enemy in your life. Trials are subject to your authority, not the other way around. You will face them, but when you face them, face them toward the Holy Spirit and say, have at them. You will be persecuted for your faith. People will mock you, make fun of you, think you're crazy, gossip about you, post online about you. Let them. It will happen. But it won't take me out. This boat's not going down. I've got a word, and it said, I'm going to cross over. He said, let them cross over to the other side. So if they had been smart, they would have known that the ship wasn't sinking, the disciples, because he gave them a word, you're crossing over. They would have thought, yeah, man, there's some water getting in this boat. My feet are wet. 
wind is howling. Oh yeah, Jesus said I'm guaranteed landing on the shore on the other side. So it doesn't matter how wet my feet get right now. I'll shake it off. I'll come out stronger. I'll come out with a testimony. I'll come out saying how Jesus kicked the devil's tail and I kicked it on the boat when the water was rough. Trials will come, but trials are subject to your authority. The Holy Spirit empowers you to look trouble in the eye and say, trouble, here's your first and last warning. I'm full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Victory is mine. Healing is mine. Provision is mine. Peace is mine. Joy is mine. I'm not letting it go. You have to go. Mountain, move and be cast into the sea. It says if you do that without doubting in your heart, I don't know if you picked up on it, I've got no doubt in my heart that every mountain, everything representing a mountain in your personal life and your finances or in your family must move today. As a spiritual authority in this house, I command everything representing a mountain in your life. Lift your hands right now and receive this. Everything representing a mountain in your life moves today in Jesus' name. Hardness of heart moves. Family situation moves. Unforgiveness and heartache goes today. Mountain, move in Jesus' mighty name. Be free from the pressure and the weight of what you've been carrying. Be free from the shame and condemnation and know that you are victorious. Your mountains are moving and victory is not coming. It's right here, right now in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, give Jesus a hand this morning. If there's anyone in the sound of my voice who doesn't know Jesus, you don't know if you went to, to sleep tonight, if today was your last day, if the trumpet sounded, Jesus returned, you're not sure if heaven would be your home. Because it's not guaranteed. If you've never repented and given Jesus your life, heaven's not your home. This victory's not yours. I love you enough to be honest with you. But it can be before you walk out this morning. If that's you, meet me right here, right now at this altar. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let shame get in the way. If that's you, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Jesus died publicly for you. He disarmed the devil publicly so we can walk to an altar publicly for him. Come right now and join me right across this front. Is there anybody else? Come on, be brave today. If you don't know if heaven, if you don't know that you're right with God today, there's no shame here. There's no judgment. We were all there at one time. We are rejoicing with you when you come forward today. The Bible says all of the all of heaven rejoices when one soul gets right. part of that praise party in heaven today. Is there anybody else in the sound of my voice? You don't know if you died today where you would spend eternity. Well, I don't believe in heaven and hell. Well, you should because it doesn't change the reality of it that you don't believe. Apart from God, no one shall see the Father. Apart from Jesus, no one shall see the Father. But when we repent, we change our eternal address. Heaven is our home. Our sins are forgiven. Shame and condemnation lifts off us. Victory is now secured for us. And an empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Is there anybody else? Last call. 
there's somebody beside you that you're not sure and you think they're nervous, ask them, do you want to go? I'll walk up with you. I'll wait 10 more seconds. Anybody in the sound of my voice or watching online, today is the day for your victory. Today is the day that you get free from the weight of sin and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody else? Last call. Don't miss it. Okay. If you want to come and face me right here so you don't have to look at all them. Be 
lifted off of you today. I said be lifted off of you today. Not for a day, but for eternity. No more condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord says, I don't condemn you, neither shall you condemn you. (laughs) The Lord says, I've seen your decision today. I see your heart today. And I say, well done, I approve. And the Lord would say, so when the pressure comes, when the expectation comes, when the lies of the enemy come, remember this day when I said, well done, I approve. For the Lord says, you've met the only standard that I've put before you, and it's repentance. Walk in the joy of your salvation. Walk in the peace that comes with my salvation. And be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost right now. Filled in Jesus' mighty name. Never the same after today. Thank you for her life, God. Bless her abundantly. Shame her enemies publicly, I pray. And thank you that her victory will also be public. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus one more hand this morning. Be blessed today in the name of Jesus. Go in power. Go in victory. Go in a fresh strength and a fresh joy. Be reminded as you leave today, God is for you, not against you. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone in the sound of my voice. I thank you that no sickness, no disease, no trouble, no tragedy will ever touch them. They are protected by a covering and a covenant. Bring them back safely next week, God. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have the best week you've ever had. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us, don't hesitate to visit us in person at our Down East location in Sullivan, Maine. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Have the best week you've ever had.